Now, good evening and welcome to episode seven of Conversations With. Now, before you all think you've clicked the wrong link and it's not the usual podcast you are used to, well, in some respects you might be right. Tonight, we are turning the tables on the man who started all this. The man behind the idea, the man with man in his name. You'll find him on Insta as a man underscore does weight loss underscore JSA. But for myself, and I'm sure a lot of the regular listeners, you'll know him as Alistair Mann. Welcome to your own podcast. How are you? I'm very well. It's, um, it's a very interesting being on the other side of the table. <laughs> yeah. I was, so how are you feeling about that? You know, how are you, you going to be feeling about being on the uh, other side of the questions? I just need that. I just need to be mindful of, I guess. I think um, not try and jump in. I can't see that. Can't see that being an issue. What I first want to say, though, is I want to say thank you for letting you share your story with me. Um, we've had we've had the pre-talk. I think we're on for about two two and a half hours, uh, and you've got quite a hell of a story to tell. Um, when you kind of posed the idea that you wanted to do it yourself, um, I just threw my hat in the ring. And say, look, if you felt comfortable when you did my podcast, then I would be quite happy to do yours. And I was over the moon that you asked me. So I just want to first start by saying uh, thank you for the opportunity to for you to share your story with me, but obviously w with everyone else. So I just want to say thanks. So, yeah, you're very welcome. When um when I said this at the start, when people asked in the first couple of um, post on the Facebook group and things as you know when are you going to tell your story it got me thinking of okay yeah I need to tell my story um, and I spoke to you know friends and other JSA members about about that and some people said oh you should get James to do it and um, we, we all know that that's uh, probably a pipe dream and it would, wouldn't have been the right thing oh, to do. yeah it would have been amazing um, but um, then I thought about um, you know, James and, and Darren had done theirs and they'd just spoken to the camera. But actually, I really like the fact that we can just, you know, turn the tables and, um, you know, I feel, I feel really comfortable kind of talking to you about that. And, you know, we did, a, we did your podcast. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for offering that. No, not a problem. Like I said, we've only known each other, what, seven or eight weeks? So yeah. it's, yeah, thank you that you felt comfortable enough sharing. So, uh so, a little bit of data around the success that you've developed, I and mean, we'll call it success. You know, it's so you've had almost uh, two thousand plays of all the podcasts up to now, up to this morning, I believe it was over five different platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, amongst others. You've reached the far corners of the globe, from the USA to Australia to the Falkland Islands, and I'm pretty sure in the Falklands Islands, I think there's one GSA member, I think that's Gabby. So I'm presuming that might be Gabby who's listening there. To the UAE, Cyprus on there. Now I think Joey's in for Cyprus as well. He's a GSA member, he's, in the, he's based in the army there. So I'm presuming that might be him. Germany, and obviously Great Britain and the Republic of Ireland. And when you first started this, did you expect that kind of success in, the, in such a short time. No, I, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect. Um, 
I, I went into it saying that I would never look at the numbers, um, but I'm a numbers man, and very quickly I was looking at, at what the numbers were. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I had no expectations. Ultimately, I set the goal that if we could just tell the stories and those stories inspired one other person to make a change or, or to adapt, then that was a success. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I d had no expectations. I didn't know how it was going to go. And ultimately, I didn't know if it was ever going to be kind of uh, approved by um, James Smith. So there was no, it wasn't recorded before he gave his approval, but once he gave his approval, it was uh, gung-ho and game on. So that uh, leads on to a question now. Normally we, we leave, or you leave questions to the end, but I think it quite it leads on to quite nicely to a question that Sam Payne's asked. So Sam is obviously one of our, so one of our, one of your guests. I think it was episode three, I think she yeah. did. So she's actually said, what, why did you decide to start the podcast? And I know we go later on about how it's developed, but what was that initial idea? What was the, what was the kind of the, what planted the seed as such? So lockdown happened. And I knew from last year when I was made redundant, that if I didn't keep myself, um, so I was furloughed this year. Yeah. Having been redundant last year for the same sort of period of time, I knew if I didn't keep myself busy, my brain um, using what, what was in there, um, that I could go, what I can only describe of last year was feeling a bit thick. Right. So I was thinking of, you know, how, not just ways I could do it, but I was watching, I'm very into my personal development and I watch a lot of people on YouTube. And I was watching uh, one guy called uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he said, um, you know, if you're passionate about baseball, do a podcast on baseball. If you're pa you know, uh, passionate about you know, the New York Knicks, do, do a uh, podcast on that. And it just came to me in a kind of uh, light bulb moment. I thought and the JSA, and it had been asked previously to James, would he ever have members on his podcast? Yeah. And that had always been kind of rebuttaled as logistics, difficult to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and and it, never, it never happened. And I know that since starting it, few other people have all come to me and said, I had that idea. Um, but, but it's all about timing. And do you know what? Yeah. I, think you I think you timed it spot on because me personally, I can speak for personally, and I know I've spoke to, to other members and you know, other non-members that this time during lockdown and, and furlough, people have got so much time on their hands that they're not able to go to the gym, they're not necessarily able to go to work, but what they're able to do is actually go out walking. Yeah. What do you do when you walk? You either listen, you know, you, I would say a decent percentage of people listen to things. Mm -hmm. So it's, I know myself, I'm, I've got a rotation of about three or four podcasts and it's the time really well and this one is one of them. So I know once I've finished three, I've got one of these ones coming up, which is great. And honestly, I think you've, I think you've timed it spot on. Well, yeah, and it was from watching, um, actually from watching Darren's podcast, I thought that's actually very easy to set up. Yeah. Um, I knew that I had the skill set to 
host it and hopefully people think I'm, I've been hosting it well but um, watching that and seeing that it was just a Zoom recording made me think that's possible yeah definitely and, so, and then I had a few I'd been thinking about it for a couple of weeks and I had a few beers and I was like well if you're going to do it you've, you've got to involve James you've got to get his approval um, yeah Ultimately, I could have probably just gone about it and made it, but I thought that's disrespectful to something he had actually built. Um, so I dropped him an email. He's always saying, you know, send me an email. And I half expected it to be, thanks, mate, but, you know, this is my kind of my thing. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the offer. And I woke up the next morning and I'm browsing in bed through my emails and there was a reply. Um, and from anybody who's emailed James, you'll know that he's very succinct and to the point. Yeah. Um, and it was words to the effect of, love it, go for it, let me know if I can help. And I was like, uh, okay, we've got to do it now. I can't let the boss down. Um, and I knew that if I had didn't do it, it would just be another one of, oh, well, you know, they, they said they would and they never did. So, yeah, it was from that point, it was game on and I went ahead and, you know, Joe jo was a massive help to making it happen for the first one because she yeah. supported me through the learning of it and made me think and gave me some of that critical thinking and made me think that, okay, you can't just dive into this. You've got to go and you know, look at types of questions to ask and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, another yeah. later and we were live. Yeah, I think Joe's been like initially straight away and then ever since. And I'd like to think that we all have all, all the guests that we've been, you know, even that, you know, those that know that they're coming on, they've been massive cheerleaders as such, which is, which is, which is great to see. Um, and for those who have obviously listened to these podcasts, but those listeners who are part of the JSA, they'll know that James is fully invested in his members um and the community now obviously it is primarily fitness based around improving our you know our quality of life through fat loss fitness but i think more recently it's obviously it's, it has been there has been a lot of focus around uh, mental well-being you know james is a you know a big advocate of that and you you know if you scroll through back some of his recent posts a lot of them are focused um on mental health um well, if you just look at his new book and the direction that that's going, yeah, um, I think that shows you where that he's realised there's there's more to the transformation process than yeah. just lifting weights and having a calorie deficit. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I speak personally for me that it, it's one aspect for me that has helped my mental health is is kind of the, the community that it's brought together. It's been a massive tool to get, you know, to get together with people, to meet people, to talk with like-minded people who are on that kind of that same journey or, or want to start that same journey. So, you know, you, you've, got, you've got a lot in common straight away. But before we go any further, you've been a, you've been a member for quite a while, but I have got some data about you 
you said you you big data fan, which I am as well. I, I work with spreadsheets and numbers every day, so I'm, I'm all about the data, all about the graphs, all about the spreadsheets. So I've got a number 42 written down here. Now, this is the number of kilograms that you've actually lost since you started your fat loss journey. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Uh, that, is, that is amazing. Like, 42 kilograms, like, well, say it's old school, isn't it? Bags of sugar. Bags of sugar was, 40, it was a kilogram, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, but, I remember yeah, taking a picture in the gym of holding a 42 kilogram weight. And uh, I put a post on Instagram saying, I used to... Um, sleep with this, um, shit with this. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, go, you know, go to bed, shower with it. It was there with me every day, and just holding it was a real kind of realization of I used to walk around with that. You know, two two big plates from the gym, and um, strapped to me every day. So forty two kilogram. What's that? It's about ninety pounds, isn't it? Is that right? It's the top of my head. I've been picking up on this recently that imperial and metric people. Like, oh, there's a lot of people. There's that it's either kilograms or it's. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, and it's funny because my scale when I weigh myself in the morning tells me what it is in stone. But then I log yeah. into my app and it's converted it to kilograms. So it's um, ninety two point four. So like that's almost a hundred pound. That's yeah. And I know that there's been other people in the in the academy who've lost a hundred pounds, but it's uh yeah, yeah, it feels, and there's, there's more to come, but um, yeah, I've got absolutely every faith by the end of the next 12 weeks, you will be in the 100 club. No well, doubt. My goal weight is to be 120 kilograms, which I think for my size at six foot eight is a good kind of walking around weight. Um, yeah, when I always look at because I've got my height. Um, and I know I'm looking at elite athletes, but you know, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, those sort of size guys, similar to my height, yeah. are walking around at kind of 18 and a half, 19 stone. And I'd be so pleased if I could just get my number to start with a one. And from that, I'm uh, two stone off. So, which is you know, 28 pounds. Um, so half of that I think I, I can't be bothered yeah. to do the conversion but yeah so two stone more um, and my happy scale was predicting that that will be by November the 1st um, there we go just in time for the next uh, book signing night yeah. out isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about your fat loss journey there give me a summary of when you started you know, a lot of a lot of people who will be listening will be on their own journey as such, and I'm presuming they'll be listening to this to listen to everyone else's. So, um, so tell yeah, us about the journey that you're on. So, but I get asked that question quite a lot: how how long is it taking you to lose that weight? And in reality, I joined the JSA in April 2019. So I've lost 27 kilograms of that 42 since joining JSA. So that's, you know, kind of just over a year, year and a quarter. Um, but truth be told, I've been on a weight loss journey since I was a teenager, really. Um, but I've never done anything about it. Probably yeah. since I joined Slimming World in November 2017. 
So that's when I first lost a lot of weight and over three months. Um, and I remember like the first couple of weeks, it was like 16 pounds, boom, gone. You know, we know, we know that, you know, or maybe people don't know that, you know, majority of your early weight loss is going to be kind of water weight. Yeah. Um, but I saw some real quick wins there. It's interesting you say that because I know the ethos around the JSA is Weight Watchers and Slimming World is a no-go, but, you know, we know from listening to the earlier podcasts that myself, I had success with uh, Weight Watchers. Simon, Simon is a massive fan and advocate of, of Weight Watchers. You know, it, it, it clicked for him, didn't it? So there are, you know, there are some success stories out there. Well, you know, one of the things I learned was switching to that. And I would say I still drink the same amount of pop as I did. And, and, and I'd never say pop, but I just did. Yeah, pop. Um, but, <laughs> roller cooler. <laughs> roller cooler. <laughs> yeah, but I, could, I used to drink gallons and gallons of the full fat stuff, whatever it was, Monsters, you know, Coke. Whoa, don't be dissing the monsters. No, no, I'm not. It's always, always the two factors. Yeah. Um, you know, so, not, not the monster orders. But and I could just pour them back. I could have, you know, two, three cans of monster a day. And it, and it was because I was seeking probably an energy boost from not having the right diet. Yeah. And that would be one of the things I'd take away and say, I got that from Sunning World. Uh, it taught me things about. Um, and I knew how to cook. I was taught from a very young age by my mum how to cook. But it got me back into cooking. Right. Yeah, so it got me into kind of learning how to make things healthier. Got me into putting veg back on my plate. So there was there was definitely some learnings. And you know, I lost uh, about 13, maybe 12 or 13 kilograms there in like three months. Right wasn't sustainable um i put a lot of that back on and battled that getting that back off putting that back on getting that off putting that on you know for for a number of years but yeah it kind of yeah was a was a journey and um, so the slimming world the only one or so you said you, you you lost quite a lot over three months but you said it wasn't sustainable did it eventually come back on and then you were kind of back at square one or what's so one, one thing I did um, after weighing in on uh, at Slimming World is I'd go to McDonald's afterwards. Right. Treat myself. Yeah. Um, the, because um, it finished quite late and you know, all the excuses in the world for doing that I'd achieved, you know, and it wasn't even a, like a treat as if I'd lost weight. It was every week. Yeah. And so I didn't change some of the, the core bad habits but I continued you know three months is when I lost the weight and I'd probably go back once every four or five weeks maybe for a couple of weeks and then I'd disappear again and then I'll go to put the weight back on so I'd go back and I can never really commit to it I'd always find a reason not to go yeah um but I've tried in about so I, I continued that till about this September on and off, but never really you know that was one of the things that kept it up and down. And then I joined something that actually was 
quite successful for me was um, a program called Man Versus Fat, which is a concept where as a it's a, group, it's a football thing. So on a Monday night, you are playing five aside. So that's great for getting back into seeing people doing something that I used to do with, as a youth. Keeping you active. Keep yeah. Active. But they, you weighed in before your game. Right. And if you lost weight, you gained a goal for your team. If you didn't lose, I think if you lost weight, you gained two goals. If you gained weight, you lost a goal. So you went onto the pitch already having a score behind yeah. you, but nobody knew what that score was. Nice. So then I... you can play your game and your pitch score was added onto your weight loss score. So you were versus the other team and then there was the league table off the back of that. Um, and because that was, you didn't want to let your teammates down because you didn't want to walk in the pits going, yeah, we're already a goal down. You could be three goals down because you've not lost the weight as well. And it was people doing things like taking the top off down to the boxer shorts just to squeeze underneath it. You know, there's a guy in our team knew exactly that his shirt was 400 grams. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's uh, um, I, I've heard some shit in my time, but we, Jesus, God, what? <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's, that's the first time I've ever heard of anything like that. And if you knew you were under, as well, if you knew you were going to be under, you left all your kit on, so you were only <laughs> under a little bit, so that next week you could. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of fun and games. I know it was blokes together um, playing banter, but um, yeah, when I was there, I one of the lads on the team had done amazingly um, using isogenics, which is Herbalife, I think, or it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and for weeks and months, every, he was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it because he had become an affiliate. Oh, uh, there we go. And, um, and yeah, I eventually succumbed and bought into that. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, we're all infamous mistakes. I was we're all infamous. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never went full on into it. No. Yeah. Um, probably one thing I took away from that to now is having a protein shake if I'm on the go. Yeah, like, but, it's, but it's a protein shake. You know, as a okay, as a meal replacement or like when I was at work, it was that was good for breakfast. Yeah, they'll be out the door at half six in the morning, so I can have that. Knowing that my protein shakes four or five hundred calories, are, you know, it's it's got a amount of protein, doesn't it? So it's yeah, yeah. So I did take that away from that. However, they had days of like you'd have your normal day, which was two shakes and a meal, and then two days a week, sometimes up to four days a week, you could go into what they called a cleanse, whereas you would drink a shot of this horrible mustardy just rank tasting thick syrup stuff oh is it like that aloe vera stuff like this yeah, yeah like i've heard of that it's not that sort of out of it it was just this sugary mix probably to give you a bit of an energy boost for one or two hundred calories yeah but they declared it was going to help you clear your system and and then you would drink this diluted other purpley drink um for like, and you would do that for like. Sounds like sugar coated laxatives, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I couldn't really buy into that because I love my food. So yeah. 
I had tons of this stuff left because you would be bought into it. And every month on your doorstep, it does arrive this stuff that's meant to be your food for the whole week. And it's like four or 500 quid a month. You know, so, and I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. It never worked, but I just had all this backstock and, you know, it was just, you know, there for taking up space in my kitchen. So from the football to Herbalife, what what bridged the gap between that and JSA? Was there anything in between, or was it a case of you were maintaining, gaining, losing, maintaining? You know, was it just? Yeah, well, so that was. I was also a member of the gym. And I'm still of the same gym. Yeah. Now from 2015, and I had a PT from the very beginning, and still do now. So I was committing to at least once a week seeing the PT. Yeah. But. I never changed my diet. So I was, and I was training pretty hard at what I think was, and I actually think when I think my weight loss is 42 kilograms, I think it actually might be maybe five or six kilograms more than that because that's when I started weighing. Um, and that was probably my third PT. So I had a couple of PTs that came and went from the gym quickly, but that was my third PT that made me stand on the, in the gym um, scales where you hold the, the things. Yeah. So that was the first time I'd weighed. So I actually think at my worst, I was maybe knocking on the door at 30 stone. Wow. And me doing an hour of hit, um, I think it was pretty much, it could have gone bang at any time. Uh, you know, I was, I was, and I was, you know, dead at the end of it. But I would never have been able to commit myself to going to that gym more than probably twice a week because it was so hard. Yeah. Um, and my diet wasn't right to fuel it. So, yeah, but I, you know, that is something I continued because I, I used to love going. Um, I changed my rule. Um, of going, I can't remember when I changed it, but I'd almost sometimes go to the gym just to sit in the steam room in the sauna. Yeah. And I changed my rule. Guilty. To <laughs> I used to be guilty of that, absolutely. So, yeah. And you, you, you feel good because you've kind of, you know, been into that sort of positive place, but you've not done yeah. anything. <laughs> so I changed my rule of it. Well, I wasn't allowed in there unless I'd been upstairs. So the, the gym's upstairs and then all that's, that's downstairs. downstairs yeah. That meant I was probably training more, but yeah, my diet didn't really change till I joined. Yeah, I'd done the Summer World stuff, but it didn't really change till joining JSA. Um, in fact, it didn't really change till I was in into JSA because that wasn't my purpose of joining JSA. So what 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 brought you into the JSA? So you you join you say you joined that twenty nineteen. So what what did you see from the outside looking in that you wanted to be to be in the JSA? Um, I saw a community. Okay. Um, not only that, is I bought into James, um, as I think everybody does. You've got that's your first port of call. I'd sat and watched him probably from the November, um, and really, and I knew. I think a lot of people join knowing this stuff. Less in, more out. I think that's a common thing that people probably know deep down 
But it was just the way he put it, the way he simplified it, and the way that he made me believe that if I was part of his academy, I could do the, have those things. But really, it was the community. I was at a point in my life where friends had gone off and got married. Um, my other friend who I'd lived with had, had moved out. Um, and I was, you know, I'd, I'd bought my house. I was feeling a bit alone. Right. So it was, and I thought of, you know, how, you know, and I think maybe some friends had said, oh, you need some new hobbies. You need to do something different. Um, so I, I saw that this could be one place I could find a new community. Yeah, I could find it in the gym as well, but um, I'd sort of seen a bit from the outside looking in that, you know, from watching James's stories and things, it was, you know, the events, the, um, the challenge winners, seeing how many people were uh, clapping on the challenge winners from, I think at that time it was Fiji, or it was only the one, it was the one lady. Um, I can't remember her name from Ireland. I think that was Layla, wasn't it? Layla, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, this is an encouraging place to be, and maybe I can meet some new people through through this. Um, so that was my my kind of sole purpose of of joining, really. So when you joined, was it a case of that you dipped your toe in, or was it a case of you went balls deep as such and went straight into a challenge? I went straight into a challenge because that's I'm motivated by by things like that. Yeah. So anybody who's watching me this week, I'm trying to do a hundred kilometer runs. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like stupid things like that. And so if there's a challenge and you know, I'm probably signed up to it. And I'll touch on that later because we have got a question about that as well. So I will get back to that one later on. So yeah, so yeah, we dive straight into a challenge. Um thinking that that would make me commit. Okay. But I didn't I didn't commit to that. Um, what was the reason for that? I, I probably still wasn't ready to accept that life needed to change i was still in um unemployment mode okay um and i was going to the gym regularly so i was following my jsa plan um i hadn't fixed my diet so i was i'd, I'd be in and out of the gym by lunchtime even having spent a whole morning there using the sauna chilling out and i'd come home and i would eat um, and I would consume a lot of alcohol. Nice. Um, so yeah, I was I was still living my my previous life for the next sort of three months. Um, until I and you know, I think I was seeking that. And that was my my feeling of being alone. Right. Come home and I'd still be in an empty house. I hadn't. And I didn't dip my toe into the community. I didn't use the Facebook group. Um, I started to follow some people on Instagram. Um, yeah, and I would see, you know, but it was very early, so I wasn't seeing anything. So there was a bit of a turning point when the end of challenge meetup at Cheltenham. Yeah. And I started to see from the people that I've been following on Instagram this community that I was maybe seeking. Okay. So that was, but it was also seeing people at their best. Maybe not, not at where they are now, but they were looking good and where I aspired to be. And I thought, 
I can't go to one of them till I feel that I've made that change. So you, you, you still, by the sounds of it, you're still suffering from some self-confidence issues. You possibly needed a few more wins. Yeah, and there was, you know, one, um, so the same sort of time as I joined, I started to use online data. Right. And, and I, you know, I was desperate to meet someone that was would mean a lot to me. Yeah. And I didn't have any luck on dating apps because of the way I looked, I guess. Okay. I'd never taken pictures for a number of years. I'm not very good at selfies. Um, mm. maybe, maybe better now with my, with Instagram and things, but yeah, I had no luck on, on dating sites. And, um, but then I met somebody who I really connected with right. on a real personal level but that never went anywhere because of, of whatever reason um i went on holiday it ended i came back and i was so motivated to win this person over and win, win is you know the probably the word that i was thinking of and i know that's not the way that things work but i was looking to win this person over she had already had a, a, a massive weight loss herself. That that I was really inspired by. Yeah. Um, she was living a healthy lifestyle, and I felt that I needed to become a healthier, fitter, you know, person, um, and change change how I looked. If that was going to you know, help me with this person, because we connected. So I. I knew it wasn't that we just had, didn't get along. It's not that we had one day and it was, you know, we, we had really connected. So in my head, it was this bit. Yeah. And if only I could make myself more attractive. Um, I've learned since then it wasn't just that I needed to change, but that was the launch pad along with believing that, that I needed to fit in with the community by being healthier as well. And that's not the case. So was there anything historically that could have been either impacted your confidence or anything before the JSA, before Slimming World, which made you, you want to better yourself? I lived, uh, so I, I, I've always said, said I'm the most single guy ever. Um, and what I've really, and I've said, I think I said when I reposted your question box, I would let everything out in this podcast. Yeah. Um, which means me having to tell my, my whole story. And that's what we're here for. That's it. That's it. So I was, I, I think I felt alone for a lot longer than I thought because of the life I've lived. Um, so I've always had a really good close group of friends, but I've always been missing that one thing from my life. Yeah. Um, and it's because I think I lived quite a secluded life. And um, so right back to me, I was very career focused from a very young age, you know, 16, 17, I've put my balls to the wall and worked hard for some success. I was never that successful at school. 
Um, I played golf and I put all my passion into that as a youth, but was never that successful. I've always felt like I was the little boy at um, scout awards or school awards that would know I wasn't ever winning anything or wasn't getting a, a, the, a, the award, but I'd stand there proud as pants, hoping that yeah. this was my moment. And I never, I never got that. So I think I was seeking that for my career. And I was very successful in my, in my career because I, and I, my mum and dad always taught me to have a really strong work ethic. But I gave, and I found community in things at work, but I gave my all from that age to the point when I became a store manager and I had been given this responsibility. There's your keys, there's your shop. Worked for a business that was very much, this is your business, make it work. Yep. Like a, like a uh, kind of franchise. It wasn't a franchise, but it was the, just the ethos within the business. And I worked yeah. for a Virgin in a very young... Oh, yeah, yeah, Virgin in a very empowering. Yeah. So I took that very seriously. And I started to probably work way too many hours to make sure that I was successful. And I was, you know. Probably looking back now, I didn't need to work as many hours as I did to do that, but that's that's where I was. Um, you know, to the point where I'm saying I worked eighty hours a week for from two thousand and eight to January two thousand and nineteen. Oh, and so you know, so all but a couple of months in between a couple of jobs, I never changed that attitude other than eating and sleeping there's not much time left in the day and laying left in there uh... i wondered why why i was single then you know um wasn't just that um so in 2011 a friend moved into my house uh, my house i was you know renting the the house yeah um and this is a friend that i hadn't really seen for about five years so just but maybe three or four months before he moved in, we reconnected and we went back to the same lifestyle that we had lived when we were 17 or 18. Party hard, party hard. Party hard, party very hard. So, um, and we were both had good money as well. No responsibilities, no commitments, no, you know, yeah. So we drank a lot of alcohol and I'm talking about we drank probably the equivalent of seven or eight beers a night and we could probably finish between us three or four bottles of booze a week liquor that's i think simon touched on that didn't he in his podcast that yeah. effectively you, you could class that as being a functional alcoholic without actually realizing yeah you know you, you, everyone imagines an alcoholic is someone walking down the street with a can at eight o'clock in the morning or a brown paper bag full of whiskey, you know, and then with a bottle of whiskey inside. But, you know, I think Simon hit the nail on the head. You know, you, you, you come home from work, you have five, six cans a night, and then you wake up fine the next day because your body's just so used to it. And that might have hangovers I've had where I've still gone to work and able to do it. I've, I've always had a, a good, Kind of from my upbringing, I guess you don't drink in the morning. 
Yeah. But if you're waiting until you get home tonight and you've got enough booze in your system that lasts you through the next day, it's... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, we lived the lavish lifestyle. We, we both were kind of foodies, so we would visit all the Michelin-style restaurants. Uh, we'd go out for breakfast. Um, it was just, you know, we, we felt like we were ballers. Absolute ballers. Living like kings. Yeah, and on top of that... Um, he was a cannabis user, right? Um, and I became a cannabis user from that. Right. Okay. So I had been when I was young, when I used to hang out with him. When I when I moved away from that, that never continued with me, but it came it came back. Um, so that was a daily thing, as well, um, and it was every day. So not and only was I was boozed, I was high as a kite as well. And do you resent your friend ever coming back into your life at all? Or is it just do you accept it as one of those things that has happened? You're now able to get over it. I will always take responsibility for my own actions. Um, there's no resentment there. He was a very good friend and he helped me through a lot of hard times. Yeah. That was there and it was just the life we were living. It's. And did you, and what did you go through any hard times, which kind of led you to where you are now? What's what's the story behind that? So yeah, so I lived that life of of that level of addiction, I guess. Yeah. Um, and built up a huge amount of debt, so almost forty thousand pounds worth of debt. So not only were we living a lavish lifestyle food-wise, uh, was living a lavish lifestyle of TVs, games, consoles, you know, the lot. It was so about kind of living beyond your means, which I know James uses that as an analogy, isn't it? Which is kind of like... Well beyond your means. Like you know, it was like control when it was interesting and everything being added on, but um, I'd had that debt problem previous anyway. I'd had that since I was 18 years old paid it off, got a consolidation loan, and it never, but it was manageable till I then added on this lavish lifestyle, this yeah. other, you know, addiction. Um, and that, um, 2015, I realized I needed to do something and joined the gym, probably seeking an escapism, you know, been able to, because I'd come home and it would be like, bang, let's go. Um, and there's a lyric in a song. One of my favourite bands is a band called Bring Me Hither, Bring Me the Horizon. Um, most people will think I'm mental and I love my metal music too much, but uh, there's a, a lyric in the song that says, "Don't call it a party because it never stops." Yeah. Um, That's how that, you felt. You what? Sorry. How you felt is that how you like just because it, it just became the norm as such. It wasn't a party, you just, you came home every night, you had a joint, you had eight cans, it was the norm, bed at two o'clock, up at six, repeat. Yeah, but we treated it as if it was a party. Right. Yeah, there was always other people around our house, it was, you know, it was the party house. Yeah. Um, but that lyric sticks in my head, because that, that song came out well later, and I just think back to it, actually, it wasn't just their party, it was life. Um, 
so yeah, September 2015, I tried to join a gym and maybe seek some escapism. I realized that I couldn't control my debt. So I went and sorted that out, got a debt management plan, took responsibility for it, um, and started to pay, pay it back. Um, but still didn't really change how I was living. Um, and then in the May 2016, I lost my mum. So that was, she had been unwell for a long, a long time previous. And I think I'd maybe started to grieve when I found out she had uncurable brain cancer. Right. So we lived, I live in Bristol. She lived in, in Scotland. It was a 400 mile distance. And if we didn't go 10 days without speaking to each other, that wasn't abnormal. No, I'm the same. Like, um, that'd be three weeks. I'll speak to my mum. Like, if I rang her every, if I rang her every two days, she'd think I'm either something's wrong or I wanted money. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, and me and my mum, when I lived at home, when I was a, a kid, we couldn't be in the same room more than five minutes without really falling out. Yeah. You know, to point really brutal arguments. My, my dad would always feel like he was the negotiator between the two. Will you calm down or will you calm down? One of you has got to... So when I moved out, our relationship fixed, but it was because there was this distance and... You know, so it's, it's exactly the same. I live 130 miles away. My mum would do anything for me. I would do anything for her, but put us in the same house for more than 24 hours and we are at each other's throats. So it just works, doesn't it? it does We'd work. be fine and go on a family holiday and within two days it was full-blown rage. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, all over that. Um, but yeah, so I, and I loved the daily. Um, but yeah, I think I'd, I didn't start to... I grieved because I knew she was going. Yeah. I wasn't there every day, like my brother and my dad were there every day going to the hospital. And those guys did an amazing job at, at being there for every day. You're stressful, stressful times. I didn't have to deal with that. I was in my bubble, blazed out my head and pissed most of the time. So you, you were still working 80 hour weeks, but then you were still burning the candle at both ends because you were doing all the hours, you going home, drinking and smoking, etc. Yeah, I remember going up to see her and I was doing work at her bedside in the hospital that's and I would say to anybody if you're in that situation the money you're earning is not worth your mum's life because I effectively said to my mum 50 pound an hour whatever it was I was earning was more important than you but do you think I think there's no, I don't think, for me listening to that, I don't think there's a reason to be so hard on yourself, but do you think it was a, a coping mechanism? I do. I think I was, I think I was just so, yeah, I'd lived that life for eight years. Yeah. That was just what I did. I'd go on holiday, I'd take my laptop with me. I wouldn't spend time with my family. I'd be up every morning working. Addicted to the job. I think it was an addiction. Um. Yeah, so, my staff would always say, 
you work, you know, as much on holidays as you do when you're here. Is it, was it, was it just you and your brother, was it? And your dad? Your sister as well. Just, uh, are you the eldest? And I'm the eldest, so. Um, you know, so when she passed, I took on the responsibility of trying to support with the affairs and and just left my business head on. I didn't really, and I, I, I cried and I grieved yeah. first part of the loss, but then I went into business mode, tried to sort that out. I remember the day before the funeral, maybe a couple of days before the funeral, I, my dad was, he was just trying to keep his mind distracted. My mum had said our dying wish was to make sure that we all had a house. Yeah. Um, and my dad was talking about, okay, you know, now we need to think about, you know, I was dealing with the affairs or whatever. So, you know, okay, there needs to be someone want money apportioned for you to buy a house. And, um, and I just remember saying to my dad, I can't buy a house. I can't buy a house. And I kept repeating it. And he kept, why? Why can't you buy a house? There'll be enough money for you. You'll get enough. And I kept saying, I was because I don't have enough deposit. Well, there'll be enough deposit. Yeah. I had to then tell the truth of I'm not mortgageable. What do you mean you're not mortgageable? I know your salary. I know that you'll get a mortgage. No, Dad, it's not that. I've got this insurmountable debt problem that unless I fix that and wait what I believed was six years, yeah. I wasn't going to get through that. Fortunately, there is other ways and, and means of making that happen, but you know, and my dad saw my dad supported me to fix my debt problem so that I could get a house. Put some conditions into that that if I, I was to go and get counselling around my debt problem. And I did. And that helped me with my financial errors. Spoke a lot to the council, even you know, and I think I told everything to the council as well about my life and what I was living and eventually was discharge from that or the money from you know the, the offering from my my work stopped I didn't really change anything um throughout that time till about the September well it's probably till for another year 2017 um because by then I I bought my house um, and I started to do it up top to, top to bottom. And that was with the support of my dad. I could not have done it without the support of my dad because actually he could see from the outside there was a lot more going on. Um, I was living in, probably the only word to describe it is squalor. This had been a rented house, a party house, two husky dogs, never been looked after was living and then i'd lived in it for a year by myself to the point that there was pizza boxes stacked up there was chocolate wrappers everywhere by the sounds of it you haven't got you haven't, didn't have time to tell you you were working 80 hours a week and then you were coming home and partying like sleeping getting up for work and the the, the cycle would have just yeah. gone on and on and on and on and on, and on, and on. well so. i continued so when my friend moved out the party house stopped but my drinking and smoking continued right and i would come home and work 
a laptop in this space I'd created at the back of my house, which was two meters by three meters, blocked off from anywhere else, half a meter from the fridge. Um, and I'd sit there and work till 2 a.m. from the minute I got in, continually working, creating work for myself, making spreadsheets, doing stuff that was just mad at what I was doing. And I would never have thought about smoking at work. But I was effectively by what I was doing when I got home. So you're working eight hours a week, you're not getting much sleep. You're technically functioning alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You are smoking cannabis. Yeah. Did this have any effects? on you, you know, medically or psychologically or, you know, how did this impact? How, how are you able to function? That's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at that. Like, um, I guess I was only functioning in one part of my life. I was functioning at work. Yeah. Everything else was, uh, if you were scoring things out of zero, uh, zero to 10, I'd say work was at a 10. Well, in my head, it was at 10. It was probably only a six or seven. My rest of my life was at a zero. So how did this impact your health? So in the June of 2000, no, in the May of 2018, I had a panic attack one night. Um, just as I was, literally just as I was putting my last joint out, and I was halfway to bed. I had this panic attack. I don't know where it came from. I was working under work. had also got a lot more stressful, partly probably because I was, wasn't able to cope with it. Yeah. There was a number of things I was dealing with. I was dealing with a court case, um, you know, through work tribunal, um, somebody that I'd um, been managing for a long time. Um, I was um, chasing a number. My, we, I knew that my, job might not be there we'd sort of got wind of redundancies and change in structure and i was desperately trying to make sure that to prove that i was of, of value to the business yeah um and so i had this panic attack late at night and it lasted from about 11 a.m to maybe five or six in the morning um i had so much so that i thought i was having a heart attack which is a common thing of a, of a panic attack. I laid out shoes at the front door. I unlocked the door. I had 999 ready, dialed on my phone. I had got out of my bed and gone downstairs and was lying on the sofa. Um, I tried to make myself feel better, put on the fools and horses late on at night and the TV. Um, till eventually it, it stopped and I fell asleep. And from that moment, literally the next, next day or the next couple of days, I started to create this sense of what I can only describe as deja vu. So I tell your family about this. Um, I, I, I do, because of the work and the, the time you were spending at work, after the funeral, did that change? Did you? Could you feel that like you could confide in your family or, or not? Well, you know, what, 
No, nothing changed. With, I, I did my my relationship with my dad was more open, but I still had this secret. Um, and to be fair, I, my dad still doesn't know, and I phoned him tonight to say that I was going to talk about it in what I feel is a comfortable space. Yep. And would he listen to the podcast when it's launched, or when it's launched, when it goes out? Um, and then we can we can talk about it because it's a what I believe is a dark secret I've been carrying around for you know the last well ten years almost. Um, and I think it will give some understanding to my to my family. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say that I'd say I confided in my brother a bit, but my brother's too scared to tell me if I'm doing wrong because he's youngest so he might say to me or oh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that or but he would never have said whoa 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 this is and he didn't know the extent of it because he would only see me for um 10 minutes or not 10 minutes a couple of days at a time he's he was still living in Scotland um so it was yeah, it's a it's a dark secret, and actually, I can already feel a sense of relief just talking about that. All my, all my friends know. My best friend, you know, absolutely saw all of that and tried to support me through it. Um, but yeah, when I developed this deja vu, I was a couple of weeks away from going on holiday. And when I talk about this deja vu, I mean deja vu thirty times a day. To the point that I started to believe I was reliving my life. Everywhere I went, I'd go to a business meeting where I knew I was hadn't been there before. And I remember talking about it to colleagues. And they joked. I worked in a sales environment. It was a, a big, boisterous laugh. And they were like, oh, well, tell us the lottery numbers. Give us the horses for tomorrow. Yeah, good. And and do what it's stuff like that. It's kind of work camaraderie, isn't it? And yeah. It's just the banter. The banter. I hate the term banter, but like <laughs> so, it's the banter, isn't it? It's the work. Like you've worked with people for God knows how many years. They know that there are certain boundaries that they can push, so they will inevitably just take the piss out of you. But inside, I was feeling this was scary. Yeah. I would be, I'd be okay. And then in the moment, I'd be like, um, I've been here before. We've had this conversation. And it would be like the smallest of details I could remember. It wasn't just an overall feeling. Yeah. I remember this exact conversation. I remember that person being sat in there. And I couldn't de deal with that. But then I went on holiday with my dad and my brother. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going away for two weeks, 10 days or whatever it was. Maybe it's the weed. It was my first time I thought, maybe it's the weed. It also could be trauma as well. Things stuff yeah. like that, you, you know. Yeah. PTSD type traumas. and Trauma of losing your mum. Mm -hmm. Trauma of living my life in a psychological <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, the, the drinking, the... Mm -hmm. Substance abuse sounds worse, you know. Yeah. We, you know, weed. 
Because yeah. actually the one thing that I never did was any morning weed. So I, it wasn't the gateway drug that no. people would say it was. And it's not, I'd say to anybody, it's, it may have one point been seen as a safe drug back to Woodstock days or whatever, where it was, wasn't as prevalent. It is a psychological nightmare and the strength of it is now is not a safe drug. And I, I'm, I can be an advocate for that. You know, it's, and, and I see young people smoking it now and it's a very open thing, especially in Bristol. It's a very open culture in Bristol and I smell it and I see it. And I want to go over to those young people saying, do you want to know where that can end up? I, 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 I used to smoke it a bit at uni, but it didn't have an effect on me. It was weird. Like that's, I, I used to live with six housemates and there was one of them. He used to bring the toaster and the kettle into the front room. It was that baked. Like I've seen him go down to the, the shop by 12 jam tarts, a loaf of bread, bring the toaster and the kettle in the front room and just spend all day there, just to, like not even move, no. But I've, I've, I experienced it once in Amsterdam and I didn't smoke it, I had a brownie. I was due on the ferry the next, like the next 12 hours. I can't remember getting home on the ferry. Just can't. So. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, I, from that deja vu and everything, I tried to, so I went on holiday, started to mention to my dad, I felt better for a couple of days, and then it came back. Right. Like I've been in this place before, been on this holiday, we've been on this walk before, you know. And I started to mention it to my dad and my brother, but have we been on this? And they'd be like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And I'd keep it quiet. And then I'd mention that I've been starting to get this thing. Um and they were like, okay, you're stressed from work, is you know. So I came home and I landed about tea time and a friend of mine had said, I'll pick you up from the airport. And I remember driving back and he said, are you going to come around for a cup of tea? And it was only a tea time flight. That would be a perfectly reasonable thing to, I was like, oh no, mate, just, um, just drop me off. I've got some stuff to do. And he was like, what's your last day of your holiday? Just come for I was like, no, mate, just, just drop me off. Which is an incredibly rude thing to do to somebody who's just offered to pick you up from the airport. Yeah. Um, and I got home. And the condition of my house wasn't really, it was still in a building site. So I walked through the front door, through the kitchen, back to my little office space that I had, and I rolled another joint. And boom second panic attack so it's kind of a you'd been away you'd have a bit of a change of scenery sounds to me that your brain just said right your actions from getting back home straight away you just it's, it's not you it's like you need to change something yeah it was it was a distress signal because the body the honestly the body has the body is an amazing thing, and I, I, you know, I don't think the studies out there know. It's the tip of the iceberg. The studies out there, like the, what the body does, and we don't know about the brain, ten percent. Yeah, we just don't. It's an untapped uh, minefield. Um. So at that moment, I 
decided enough was enough. I was never going to smoke cannabis again. And I can safely say that two years and two weeks, roughly, down the line, I haven't. I've never even been near it. Amazing. Not thought about it. I'm, there's a fear. There's a fear of it being that doing that again will ruin my life. Fear is, is an amazing uh, stimulant, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? It's, uh... And I've got that same thing about my weight loss. I've got a fear if I have a bad week, shit, that could suddenly be it again. And that's when I catch myself and I fix things. Yeah. So yeah, so I'd, I've I've never been back to it. I um. I went and I took back what I had left to the dealer. Wow. He would give me some money about for it. Uh, um, which we'll think in there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he said, no, but there's like 12 cases of water in my front door. If you want them, you can have them. Which seems like a crazy thing to trade. You know, I guess currency is only trade. But um, he'd had a a new water filter fitted in his house and the cases of water he'd ordered he no longer needed and actually he was probably looking for somebody to take it out of his front hall so i wandered back out of that house with 12 cases of water <laughs> and, and started my my detox the detox um, of living how, many salad and, how many bottles are in this case it's like 24 bottles jesus um, so i started eating salad and living on about between 800 and a thousand calories a day and drinking drink uh, your water you need off by walking to the toilet every 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. um so i did that now that was probably about a month i lived like that and looked great yeah i was um still doing the man versus fat football i was losing all his weight i was you know um and then, but over that time, the deja vu never left me. Right. So hang on, I fixed this. I've got to stop doing this then. I'm living this perfect life. My brain's still screwing with me. But you, so you, you've got rid of effectively the cannabis, but you, you, you've, gone, you've gone back to your own, you're still going back to your own lifestyle, but just, you know, you're, you're still doing 80 hours a week. Yeah. Still drinking? Not throughout that first month. Right. But then that came back in. In fact, right. I started to drink more because I couldn't understand this deja vu. I was banging on the doctor's door asking for an MRI scan. I think I went six times to try and get an answer because they couldn't give me an answer for it. They were looking at me like, no, I don't think it's mental. I don't think, and I was honest with the doctor about how I'd lived my life and what I'd done. Okay, we'll put you on a counselling list. Don't worry about that. I've got a counsellor at work I can use and it's you know, quicker and private. But I started, I started to try and do my own research because going to the counsellor, doing CBT, never gave me any fix from that as well. So I started to try, and, I, and when you're living in that, you're looking for an answer. You want 
you want somebody to say it's this we can help with that and i couldn't find that i only found one article on google that said brain tumor wow um, and it was an, it was a story of somebody who'd been walking up underneath a tree by an ambulance crew um having been there for a number of days just closed eyes to have living a life in their head um, I, and when you read that obviously you, you alluded to that your mum had brain cancer yeah was that kind of like setting off the alarms and certainly was so i was banging on the doctor's door to get an mri scan and eventually i got one doctor to, to, to actually i went through all the doctors i was like no don't give me them give me them you know once one doctor actually sat down and listened to me and said all right i'll get you an mri scan she knew in her head it wasn't anything, but she knew, she said to me, will this help settle it? I was like, yeah, it will give me an answer either way. Had the, had the brain scan? No, no, nothing wrong with your um, brain. No lumps, no nothing. How did, how did that kind of drive you back just to normal? Like back to the drinking, back to the, you know, you just think, well, it gave, me, it gave me one answer, but it didn't give me an answer. Yeah. It ruled out one thing. So I continued to try to live with it, went to counselling, sought out a um, friend on Facebook who had been posting a lot about mental health and had been doing his own work in mental health. Um, I said, you know, a friend, you know, we'd lost a lot of contact. I used to work with him. Um, and I said, oh, you know, he'd mentioned that meditation had helped with his life. Yeah. Um, and I'd you know, was always an avid follower of business people on YouTube and things like that. And they're big advocates of meditation. And I was like, well, I'm interested in it. And I gave this cover story about that. So he put me on to, he, we had a chat and I opened up to him. He put me on to his meditation mentor and I started to see her. Um, that helped for calming me down. Um, and she's the only person to date who's actually been able to say, for, and not actually diagnose it because she can't do that, but she had read something because she was really intrigued by this thing. She's big into her mental health. And she came back to me one week and said, I've read something somewhere and I'd like you to read it. Here's the passage. So she can't say that's it. But I read the passage and it said that deja vu could be a signal of trauma. And that was this calming moment for me. Yeah. And me realize it's probably the trauma of the lifestyle I'd lived, the trauma of not dealing with my mum. Um and yeah, starting to maybe understand it a little bit. And I still have it today. Um since then I've been in sought more answers and I've uh was told I had a heart problem probably back in November. Um, now I mentioned on the podcast last night, actually I was discharged from the heart surgery on Friday. Which is not having any problems. That's amazing news, man. Well done. And do you know what? That allows me to just go and get on with my life. Yeah, absolutely. However, they did tell me that from my most recent brain, my most recent MRI scan, there is some narrowing of vessels in my head and that could be what's causing the mental confusion. Oh. So I guess it's kind of like another answer. Um, so it's been a, that's been a long journey. And 
but all of that has led to me making a change with my weight and my lifestyle and just getting my whole life on track um, and that's all been through JSA having a community um, you know having people to support me with that um, meeting new people um, yeah all of that's come from being in this rock bottom place for a number of years. Which if you kind of take a few steps back to where you are now, you know, you bought a house, the environment's improving, you're living healthier. You know, it's it's amazing, isn't it, what your environment you know, all those three can uh, can do. Yeah, the um that journey when I wrote it all down has just been like a real and, I, and you know I've got a sense of relief just mentioning that knowing that it's going to go out into the public eye and there's no that's great mate I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing that you felt like you could express yourself either be it to me or be it to someone because if it's helping you like say you set you set this podcast up to help others but in a you know you know, in the circle that it is, it's actually helped, it's come round and it's it's helping you, which is amazing to hear. So. And do you know what? If I was to still Google severe deja vu, I don't think I'd find an answer. No. And maybe somebody who listens will think I've got that problem. Um. And if anybody li does listen and, and wants to talk about any of that, I'm always open and going to be open and honest and I'll always support you. Um, because I know what living like, living with that does. Um, and it can be a real dark place at times. So you, if we go back to the, your timeline, where, where are we now? beginning of, where are we, January 19 was it did you say uh, yeah probably I'd say that we're um, yeah got through all of that was made redundant in January 19 um, and so considering you were working 80 hours a week to now going to redundancy where effectively did you get a job straight away what like no so I, I knew it was happening for probably almost six months. Yep. Um, and there was always a chance it might not happen, but, and we tried to fight for our jobs, but it became a point about three months before where we knew it wasn't ever going to save our jobs. And I knew that I needed to, as a final chapter for that, I needed to close that door anyway. So I chose a redundancy. My family were all like, you're crazy. Never choose a redundancy. There's a job there for you. And there was a job offer. But it, I, I needed out. I needed time to go and regroup and understand where I was and what I was going to do. I needed some time out, longer than a couple of weeks' holiday. Yeah, 80 hours a week for eight or, eight or nine years. This will do that to you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah what, so you've got this thing, you, you, for example, put it on a pie chart. You know, hundred odd hours a week, hundred hour, hours a, um, 
a, you know, a week. 80 of those are work. So what have you replaced that with now? So I've now got a balanced lifestyle. So my average sleep now is uh, probably eight to nine hours sleep a night. Right. Um, which actually I've realized as a taller person, I need more sleep than, than some people. Um, which I, I never knew before, but you know, I've researched it and really, I'm, I'm six, I'm exactly six. I get like five and a half hours sleep. Well, and I was always able to survive on that less than that, but I've seen the benefits of, of more sleep. There's days that I don't, you know, there's some days that I'm, you know, I love to get up early. There's summertime. I sleep less. It's lighter. Um, I'm actually really productive if I get up at 4am or 5am. Yep. Um, you know, I can get stuff done. I just feel productive, but I know now that means earlier nights. But I'm still not very good at, at doing that, but I'd say that you're know, on good, you know, when I've got a good balance, I've, I've got good sleep. But I replace it now. I've got a social life. I see people. Um, I, I actually sometimes find that there's days where I'm like, what am I going to do? Um, because I've got this time, more so in, in lockdown, I guess, and you, you're difficult to think back. But I chose the new job I chose when I eventually went back into work about three months later, when I realized actually I, I need to work. But I was quite purposeful of the job I chose. I took a step back and I chose a job that was going to just pay me a wage that was sufficient for me to live on so that I could have the lifestyle around it. Um, rather than choosing a job where it was career driven and I would need, you know, I knew that I would go back to running a hundred miles an hour to make myself successful. Um, I did choose a job that I'd be, you know, competent at and I knew how to do it. The, so I replaced that with my health, replaced that other time with being able to meal prep. I replaced it with training. Um, I replaced it with personal development outside of, of work. Um, and like I said, social, social time. Yeah, I do more now. I, I built up, for having been a member of the gym since 2015, I've only really built up a network in that gym since probably November last year. Nice. Um, and now I've got, you know, like my running partner is a member from the gym other people that I would now call friends are people from the gym because I would go at the same time, two or three times a week. It was the same people in there. So I built up another community through that. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like I now have a balanced lifestyle. Um, so, so when you were made redundant, what happened then? I went the other way. I went, I became a lazy and I, I went to the side, decided in this time, I've, I've always wanted to do an Ironman, um, which is, for anybody who doesn't know who's listening, is a triathlon of swim, bike, and run. Yeah. Like the top event, it's a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and you finish with a marathon run. And the time limit is 17 hours. And that's like a life ambition for me to do. 
um, which is crazy, right? Because I'm at a lower level. But I thought, well, if I, they reckon it's six months to 12 months training, like training like you know, five to six hours a day, six days a week. So becomes a job. So I thought I'm going to go, I had enough money from being made redundant to last a year. Yeah. That was what I was going to go and do. I was going to be able to compete in an Ironman. Um, but I would be done in the gym at kind of lunchtime, finished up, and I would come home and I would eat. I felt like I could eat way more because I was training so hard. But I also was still drinking quite heavily because I'd get to five o'clock and I'd be like, I'm bored. So effectively what you've been doing is you've still got you've, you've still got the constant of the drink. Instead of working hard, you've been training hard. Yeah. So you haven't really replaced your time or time managed. So I suspect that you were still reaching because you didn't have enough time. You were still reaching for the takeaway menus. You were still going to because I also had funds as well. Yep. Um, and yeah, eventually, like I said, I got to the stage that because I wasn't having any social contacts during that time, um, because everybody's at work Monday to Friday. Yep. Um, you're in the bike, in the gym, sitting on a bike, you're not speaking to people. I just felt like I was becoming dumb. I right. tried to have a conversation with people and my words weren't even coming out. I, my intellect had gone down. My attention span had gone down. Um, so I knew I needed a, a, a career or a job. I knew I needed something to go to. Right. But that's when I, ref, you know, so I joined, I didn't start my new job till I joined. So I joined JSA in the April, still made redundant. Applied all the JSA training to my gym life. Went on, uh, met this girl, went on holiday. The day I came back from holiday, the day after I came back from holiday, I was starting my new job. Um, and I went into that job with, um, I decided, I made a decision that life had to change. Uh, Effectively, a proper clean slate. Proper you come back from holiday, first day, new job. And you think, yeah. you know, new no. pencil case, new backpack. That was effectively smashed in after three days, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> high school. Um, and yeah, and that, and but also because I had this drive of wanting to be attractive. That was the big difference. And do you think that was your why? That, um, yeah, that was my why. Along with the health side. Yeah, I still needed to fix this. And there, was a, I, there was something that I thought of. So when I lost my mum, like I said, she was 62, I was 32. And I thought, 30 years left. So that was the 2016 there was a realization, I think on probably on the anniversary of my mum's death, which was the May, the penny dropped 
that 10% of that time that I might only have left had gone. Wow. And I was like, you've just, by in that time, you had this thought, you need to be different. You've got, you might only have 30 years left. And the next time you thought of it, 10% of it's gone. And I think that that was this wake up call. You've, you know, that's only 90% of that left now. What are you going to do? When actually you've got to fix yourself before any of the other stuff that you want to do in your head is going to come to fruition. So that was, that was the May. So you're probably like six weeks into your first, into your first challenge. Yeah. Through and you're only finding your why there. So it, is that probably why you felt like you, you didn't commit fully, but you knew that if you went a bit further, you, then you would be able to commit fully. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, and I think you're, I had this thing in my head of, oh, you've got a holiday, new job, let's make a fresh start then. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a good date to start. And it was, you know, I came back and I started my new job and I had my packed lunch ready. You know, probably the first time in forever that I'd made a packed lunch. I was eating sandwiches and everything before. Um, and I was just ready to make that change. I made a commitment to myself. Um, and there's something that, now I don't know if I made it up in my head or if somebody said it to me, um, but you can't commit to anybody or anything else until you can commit to yourself. It rings a bell. And, um, I don't know who it is. Yeah. But it, I'm going gonna, gonna to take it. It's mine. It's not from someone. It does make a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really... Um, and it was another thing that my my mum said to me, but actually I didn't take it on board because I was still living this party lifestyle. But it was just me and her in the room and she was really tired and she rolled over to me and she said, and I said, do you need me to come home and help dad? Yeah, and probably should have asked my dad that more than asked my mum. And she said, don't stop living your life just because I'm losing mine. Um, and oh. you know, something to, for somebody to say when they're on the deathbed. It's a very selfless thing to say. You know, my, do you know what? My mum always used to say that I've got a third eye and I can see what you're doing. And do you know what? That sounds like something that she, she knows. She, you know, she'll have known something has been up with you. Yeah. So that is probably just her way of saying, you know, she's mustered enough strength, enough courage to actually just say, say that to you. Yeah, definitely. She knew there was something up. So your mum's mums know you, generally. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be catch me out with what I was up to, but uh, you know, she yeah she knew that there was something more going on, and you know, and I kind of recalled that you know as I was coming out of this haze and this bubble and yeah you know, I didn't start grieving till I think there was a big turning point actually that Christmas so I'd just been chatting to my dad and I'd said look I haven't even dealt with mum I haven't even looked at any pictures of her in you know three years almost and my dad must have had that conversation with my sister because so my Christmas present on that year from my sister and her family was a picture frame and my niece walked over to give it to me and it was all wrapped up and she was like it's a picture frame 
Rose, no, it's a picture. And I was like, yeah, no shit. Like, that's uh, obviously. <laughs> uh, and immediately I knew what was in that picture frame. I knew it was family photographs because I, I mentioned it and I burst into tears on the sofa. And that was the first time I actually think I started to grieve. Right. Um, yeah, and that was a, that was probably a turning point. It maybe took me in that, that and getting made redundant. And you know, there was that six month period of life changing to the point that then I could, you know, by the July or uh, whenever that next challenge started, I was ready to go and make a change in my life with my health. So, so come July, what was it in July that you thought, right, GSA, let's have you? Um, watching Cheltenham, right, um, and then watching IFS, and thought, uh, I want to be part of that. So, um, what, what what was it necessarily about in Cheltenham or or seeing IFS? Because I'm presuming when you say see it, you're watching it through four inches of plastic. Yeah. Um, it just looked fun it looked like everybody knew each other it looked like everybody was supporting each other um and it, i could see that these were all people from four corners of the uk and four corners of the globe coming together and just having a good time yeah i've never done the 1830s holidays or you know group meetups like that i've never traveled and i kind of just found it appealing and it was going to take a box for me maybe where I could meet you know new like-minded people who I knew were when they're not doing that they're working their ass off to you know win it with their goals um and I knew that that could help me keep accountable so I was like Did that I'm going. proverbial shove to yes. challenge or how you know was there anything else that it kind of encouraged you to do um, it just made me commit to a, looking better. So it made me um, watch my calories. It made me do my plan. Um, it made me take my pictures because I was just, right, this is it. I'm doing this. And as I, I sort of mentioned before, if I make a decision, I'm doing something. I've always done that. If I say I'm doing something, I'm doing it. Yeah. No turning back. If I'm half committed to something, you'll know about it because it's half-arsed. I'll put something out there and I'll pretend that everybody doesn't know about it and I'll forget about it. But if I'm on it, I am balls deep, as they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I'm an old enough in person. I know that much. You know, you're either getting all of me or you're getting none of me. It's, um, so you've at this point what's this so like September October you start to embed yourself into kind of the community you know I see me for me that I, I think more of the community is it's on Instagram but obviously there is the Facebook group as well are you, are you kind of throwing yourself into both yeah, more just Insta right um and it was the time of, uh, I knew that London Live was the next one. So I bought a ticket very early for that. On your own? No, no um, one else? Just No one else. 
Bought a uh, ticket for that, joined the group, found out where everybody was staying. And I'd made the decision I was going. And, and by buying a ticket, I was committed. Yeah. I never thought once about not going. I'm okay with going into new situations. You know, I'm a salesman. I've got, I can talk to people. So uh, it's, uh, I can knock on, if I can knock on council estate doors, yeah. and ask them if they want to buy Sky TV at, you know, eight o'clock in the middle of a November night. Tough gig. I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried if I'm gonna uh, be able to walk into a room full of people and meet. But you know, it doesn't mean it's not nervous actually when you get there. Um, but yeah, because I bought the ticket, I committed to it. That meant I had to go look at my best. Um, and then yeah, when I arrived, I met Sam straight away. You know, she didn't recognise me. Obviously, I recognised her. Um, she gave me a massive hug and. Craig Davids and we were on our way. That's uh, it, isn't it? That's, that, that's, the, that's the uh, standard GSA meet initiation, isn't it? <laughs> Hug, Craig David, game on. So yeah, so then, but there was a realisation at that time that I'd done well. So I walked into the first bar um, and I'd saw Paul who's you know Bristol and um, he was gonna go with me and change his plans um probably thought I was a right dickhead um that's <laughs> in the words of Paul probably but um Paul's like <laughs> but we um I, I met uh you know two ladies that actually I'll never I'll never forget um that they were looking at me and they had their phone out and they kept looking at me and I didn't notice till the person I was with was like, mate, those two women keep looking at you. And I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, hey, you know, and uh, they pointed the phone at me and they were like, is that you? And I was like, went over, I had a look, I was like, yeah, that's me. And they were like, you need to change your profile picture. And I was like, oh, Oh, right. And they were like, because you look nothing like that anymore. You look amazing. And I just got this confidence boost. Oh, they really? collared me again in the, in the live and was like, pinned me up against the wall almost and was like, we're going to take a picture. You, that can be your new profile picture. <laughs> um, yeah, and my confidence levels from that moment oh, just, you know, risen straight away. Um, and have you, did you stop at London Live, or have you been to any more since? So, yeah, a couple of weeks later was the um, Bristol meetup. Right, oh, yeah, that was the challenge because the live obviously wasn't an end of challenge meetup. Um, and I'd lost more weight over that couple of weeks. Um, and I remember um, Steve, uh, so it was Steve Shrinking, the Irish guy. Yes. Um, and um jane uh karma yourself oh yeah sitting you know sitting down and we were chatting and they both, both started one was sat on one side and one was sat on the other and they both started pulling on my jeans and uh they were like you need to buy some new clothes i was like oh and they were like because those are falling off of you um i was like i was getting a bit honesty off uh off so, yeah so that was another confidence boost. It was like, okay, I'm ready to buy new clothes. Um, 
you know, and then when I went to try on new clothes, I think maybe even a week later, I was like, and I was at one point asking if the clothes shop where I buy my clothes, because I have to buy longer length. Um, I was asking if they, you know, high and mighty, did they do a size 54 waist in my leg length? And I got told that's the biggest we do. You better stop putting on more weight. And that was years <laughs> before. Um, cause I always saw the same guy and you, we had a bit of a relationship and I always felt that, um, I was just a big guy. I never really saw a problem with having to go and buy bigger clothes. But when I tried on these clothes afterwards, it took me forever in this one shop um, to find the right size because I went and tried on a 48 because I thought I might be in, in the fours. They fell off me. I went and tried, I thought, oh, I'll get a 46. They fell off me till I found a 42. And then I was trying on 3XL t-shirts, too big, too big. Suddenly I'm down to an XL tall fit. Yeah. I'm like... You know, and then realize. Well, mate, you're walking around with it like a dog with two dicks. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt that was just a massive, you know, realization of you've done something here. Yeah, and that and that's good. And like you say, you, you that encouragement from from Steve and Jane, you might not have even realized that you needed to because you just assumed that you know, everything was fine and to you it was, but you know, that gentle push and encouragement, what you tend to get from the members, like they're, they're not shying coming forward, some of them, and, and some might come forward, be more forward than others, and it might seem a bit brash, but it's, it's their way of saying, do you know what, you look amazing, go out, see what, you know, buy yourself some, uh, some new, new clobber. Yeah. So that's London Live, it's Bristol. Um, I believe, did you go to the book signing as well? I did, yeah. Yuri? Um, yeah, and, um, and all of those events, I just felt like I was getting, you know, further and further into the community. Um, you know, that was only in January, the book signing. It's, uh, it seems such like such a long time ago, well, six months ago, really. So when when the meets tend to get organised, you, you, like the the newbies as such as as, as the label, I don't, I don't like the label, but we might judge um, the the newer members of of the GSA. You, you always tend to find that they're kind of sitting on the fence about it, or I'm going to on my own. You were there once. I was there once. You tell me your what advice would you give them? Go. That's it. One word. Go. Go. And you will have one of the best nights of your life, I think. Um, if you've not made any progress, you'll speak to people and find out that actually we all go through that. If you've made loads of progress, you'll get this confidence boost. Um, if you're needing new friendship in your life of the right positive people around you, you'll find that. You'll be able to put names to faces of people you're actually probably communicating th with through Instagram. Um, yeah, you'll come away with a confidence boost and I'm, I'm sure that you will come away with friends for life. Um, Do you believe the confidence has 
aided you in setting up this podcast? So going back to obviously Sam's question at the beginning where, you know, she's asked you where the seed was planted and effectively you've got to water a seed, haven't you? To make it grow, do you think, do you think that confident that, you know, is effectively the water to make it, this, this podcast grow? Yeah, because I wanted to tell the positive journeys of other members that I knew and saw through social media. Yeah. If I hadn't have had that positive journey myself, I wouldn't have had the confidence to go and do it because I would be sat here as a, as the imposter. Um, so yeah, I would have, I don't even think I would have thought of it because I don't think I would have also been as passionate about it because I've seen the success from following it and being part of it. I'm really passionate about it. And I yeah. would tell everybody that this is a positive way to go. If you're looking for a physical and mental transformation, because I think you'll see both. And I mentioned it on the podcast last night, the mini series, um, that if you have a mental transformation, it can often help your physical transformation. And if you have a physical transformation, it can often help your mental transformation. I would 100% agree with that. 100. I think, speaking from personal experience, it's, and I've done it on a couple of my posts, that it's, it can, it definitely can come hand in hand. Um, it is 100% true, in my opinion. Yeah, and and mine, and I'm sure other people would would echo that. Now I've seen your confidence grow. Do you know how? Because I've seen you bought yourself a pair of budgie smugglers, <laughs> which, in my experience, that was the the moment where I thought, do you know what? I don't think we should anyone else thinks. I'm confident now to rock these, and that was back in January 2019, and I still had quite a bit of weight to lose. So they're still slightly too small. That are yeah. As um yeah, so anybody who's only listening on Spotify you have, uh, <laughs> missed me holding up my uh yeah, my smugglers. So um yeah, they're only for my transformation posts at the moment. I ah. have wore swimming trunks or fudgy smugglers um since November in the pool because I was training for a triathlon and. I, my triathlon coach said to me, do you want to save 10 seconds on your 100 meter time? Get rid less of the drag. Less drag, isn't it? There's less, okay. less flapping about. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the drag on a pair of shorts. Well, if you ever did lifeguard sessions as a kid, which I did, you put your t-shirt and your shorts on and it was harder to swim. And the reason they did, made you get the brick off the bottom of the pool like that was because that's how you might have to do it. Well, yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I, I, my, the, the second challenge I did, I started swimming a lot, and I was, I was in, my shorts and stuff like that, and I thought I've got these. Do you know what? I've got these budgie smugglers at home. I'll go swimming. I mean, honestly, it, it, it shared minutes. Yeah, <laughs> took me time. Off for like me uh, fifteen hundred meter time. So now, I know you don't always swim in the pool as well. 
your open water swimmer. Have you worn them there yet, or is it too cold? I'm, I'm not familiar with the, the open water etiquette. So, <laughs> uh... so yes, I have. Um, when I first started swimming open water, I was wetsuit only. Right. And I've struggled to find a proper swim wetsuit in my size. Okay. Um, so I bought one. It was a, essentially it was a surf suit um, to do my first event where I swam a mile in the uh, River Seven, which is the highest tidal river in, or second highest tidal river in the world. Um, but that was my kind of like first open water swimming event. I'd done some quarry swimming. Um, and that was like amazing. That was, that was the August of 2019. So just as I was starting to gain my confidence. Um, but you know, since then throughout the winter, it's just, I'm sorry, but it's too cold to actually, you know, maybe go for a dip as, um, as you do Pav, but getting in for a sustained period of time is challenging. Um, and then when I thought I had a heart condition, it maybe held me back from doing that. Right, so like kind of the, sh the shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off I go, sink to the bottom of the quarry, never to be seen again. Um, but yes, yeah, so this summer, um, I've been swimming skins, as, as it's called. As they call it. Um, yeah, so you swim in skins. So yeah, I don't like the wetsuit. It's too much restriction on my stroke. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been budgies only and uh, you know, I think it's um it's called shrink or swim. Shrink or swim. The uh, the water temperature can vary overnight in some in shallow water it actually varies quicker yeah, um, than, than deeper water. Um so yeah, so kind of I went the other week and it was down to fifteen degrees. I it'd been warm. But it had been quite windy and I'd, I got there and he said, oh, wetsuit. And I was like, no, this is a crazy guy that kind of is opened a windsurf school and probably never lived a life away from it. Um, and he was like, yeah, wetsuit swimming today? And I was like, no, mate. I was like, you know me, I'd, I'd just get in. And he was like, it's 15 degrees. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't have my wetsuit with me. Um, and you get in and you know from taking a dip it's that major <sighs> you know, you've got to focus on that out breath takes your breath away doesn't it yeah there's um, you know, when I first started to do open water swimming I met my, my friend's brother who is he had a heart condition actually and started swimming to improve his health um, but he's now like super distance like swam Lake Windermere um, which I think oh, is like 20 miles long or something um swam the channel as a relay and um, but i remember him pulling me to one side before i went in and he was like it's going to be cold look dead in the eye it's going to be cold you're going to feel shock focus on your out breath i was like, okay and i went and got changed i came back and he was like right, what are you going to do and had i not had that i think i would have the, the you know when you hear about these people jumping into water in the summer after, you know, it's really oh, warm and then they, oh, they yeah. die. I think I might have been one of those. I've been one of those. Yeah, so his advice, and it always sticks with me. You get in, you absorb the temperature, then you get on with what you're going to do. But I love, I love the feeling of it. 
It's, oh, it's great. It's, it's great that you've, you've, you've found something that you love. Is there, do you have any other hobbies at all? Anything that... Um, so I still love playing football when we're allowed back. Um, I definitely want to keep training for a triathlon when, when I can. Yeah. That, like I said, that's like my life goal. And now that I've got the okay from the ticker man, um, it's, it's game on for that. Um, I love boxing with a severe passion. And actually, I had a conversation with my boxing coach last Friday. So I've just gone back, really, because he's like one of the first people to say he was offering sessions when the PTs were allowed to. Yeah. Um, and he's been talking about my progress since I've gone back. But I've flitted in and out with it. Um, and I was like, do you know what I think? the reason why I'm making better progress now than I ever have done before. And he was like, before I even had time to say it, you went, cause you're fitter. And I was like, yeah, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm not knackered out from it because I'm fitter and I'm ready to go and do it. And I absolutely love, you know, knocking the shit out of a bag, hitting the pads. Um, and I had a, I had a charity fight. Actually, probably part of my, my health journey, actually. It was more, I did it for the wrong reasons. I didn't do it for me. I did it for my mum. So in the March of 2017, I, had a, I did a um, ultra white collar boxing. Right. Which I know from watching Stuart Kerr's stories, he's got one of those, um, uh, one of the trophy things that you get sat underneath his TV cabinet. So you might be able to, to relate to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was my kind of introduction into boxing, and then I've, I've floated in and went out with it. But now I'm fit enough. Um, it's a good way of burn those calories. Certainly is. Where's my induction at Sky? Was the day one of the days we went to the? You get a tour around the Sky Studios as part of your induction. Yeah. And it was the day that Anthony Joshua was signing his pro contract live on Sky Sports. Um, we were all stood there getting an introduction from the security guard about you know, what this is and what that is. And I could feel this presence behind me, but I'd look over my right shoulder, there was nobody there over my left, and all everybody else I was with was laughing. And it was AJ, because I was tall, was like, yeah. and then I chatted to him for about, my whole group went off and finished a tour, and I was still stood chatting to AJ for about 20 minutes, oh. um, asking me if, you know, would I spar with him? Um, and I was like, like laughing and joking. I was like, mate, I said, I can't spar with you because I'll knock you out. And <laughs> I was at that time, that's when I was like 30 stone. So there was no way I was going to knock him out. He was probably like, yeah, whatever, mate. Yeah, you're. Um, and a few people have said that about my journey and things because my journey has been was quite a similar timeline to Tyson Fury's. Um, and people have been like, oh, he's the next Tyson Fury. And, I get shouted at, like, I was out for a run yesterday and these two girls were walking back along the seafront and were like, oh, I thought you were Toys and Fury. <laughs> and, I like, and I was like, I'm trying. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, yeah, Tyson, if you're listening. <laughs> so that leads me on to one of the questions, actually. Um, Simon, who was uh, a previous guest, 
obviously you've spoken to him about running. You're doing the race for the stones, which I believe is 100 kilometers this week. Is that right? Yes. So one of his questions is, how are you feeling today? Because he, he believes that you should be on around 50 kilometers up to now, possibly 45, 50 kilometers. So he wants to know what, what you're at, at the moment, how are you feeling physically, how are you feeling mentally, and what is your plan for the rest of the week? <laughs> well, by the time you hear this podcast, I hope that um, I'm done um, with the 100K. But yeah, Tuesday evening, I'm at 43 kilometers. So I did my longest run ever. My longest run ever previously was 21K. Yep. Um, when I thought I'd done a half marathon, I find that was a hundred meters short. But the 25k yesterday, and I've chosen a very particular running partner. Actually, it's a, my my only running partner, really. A guy that's really motivational to me and helped me get my 10k time down. And when I decided I was going to sign up for it, which took me about five seconds, and clicked on it, and then was like, oh shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I was like, shit, where's Onu? Onu's like, text him. I was like, you need to sign up for this because I, I need a pacer. Um, so he doesn't, he's not going to let me fail on it. But um, yeah, he, he got me through 25K yesterday. And he's got a really good strategy for it. To be fair, I was planning on maybe going out on Monday night at midnight and trying to break the back and getting five or 10K in. But I left the strategy in his hands. He's a distance runner has been for many years. I know that he'll come up with the right plan. And he said, we've got to get, and he talks in miles over kilometers, I think in kilometers. So we're always having a battle. Um, but he was like, we need to do 15 miles today. So that's 25 K. And I was like, all right. And it was a lot warmer than I thought. And if you've seen my stories, I came back with sweat stained t-shirt. I saw that yesterday. Yeah. Um, I get it in my hat. I'm on the peak of my hat. Yeah, so I think I might have lost three, three and a half kilograms just on that run. On that run, wow. So, um, so, today, so physically, how are you feeling? Yeah, today was hard. We did 18k today, and I was a minute a mile slower. My legs felt like lead. Um, I was grouchy and tired. I told him to F off at least 17 times. <laughs> um, he wouldn't leave me alone. He kept getting it's only tips he's giving me get your head up, loosen your shoulders, um, you know, get your knees up. I, all the things that, as actually, I need to hear from him. But I was in a dark, dark, I've never been to this darker place as I have today with any training. Well, um, Mentally, how are you feeling? I feel really good because actually, do you know what? I've run 43 kilometers in two days. The other side of it is I've still got 57 to do. Yeah, isn't it? So what's, what's, the, what's, what's the breakdown now for the rest of the week? Yeah. Um, we're going to try another 18K tomorrow. Um, if we can get to 15, I know that we're 14 and a half kilometers left over the next um four days i want to be done on saturday i don't want to take it into sunday i've got an open water swim booked which is purely 
to try and get in the cold water to recover. Yeah. I don't want to have to come out of there and go for a run. It's so we've got a 10 Saturdays meant to be a 10 a celebratory 10k. Um which Paul um Jim Laden Fitness has said he might do with me. Um which he might do, he will do. Um I'm sure Honor will still be there dragging me through. Um, I know that Rhiannon said that she'd come down and uh, cheer me across the finish line. I'd, there is no finish line, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, te- so if I, so if I want to be left with just 10k on Saturday, that means I need to do 47 in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh yeah. So whatever that is, a day, uh, 19 a day. Is that right? I don't know. I don't have my calculator in front of me. Um, so, so I think that's... 16, 16 a day, I think. So which is, I the mileage is coming down. Yeah. Which was the strategy. That was um, break the back of it, bring it down every day, because every day is going to get harder anyway. Good way of thinking. So I think we've got some questions. So... Are these quick fire questions? No, these are well. No, so no, 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 just wonder what mindset I need to be in. <laughs> so, um, do some, do just a couple of these and uh, we'll wrap it up. How's that sound? Yeah, it's going to be. I think we're on on schedule to uh, take Joe's record. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Have you learned anything from the previous six podcasts? Um, yes. I, at the start, I think I jumped in too quickly. So now I tend to leave the question out there and let the person finish a bit better. Okay. Um, I've learned, well, I mean, just, just by starting it, I learned how to do a podcast and um, you get and make it posted. I've learned that I need to be a bigger part of the JSA community on Facebook. And from every guest, I have been able to shape my new challenge goals better than I've ever been able to before. So I'm actually learning from my guests, myself. Um, so yeah, I've taken away being consistent with Loganton MFP. I've taken away being able to shape a different challenge goal. Um, I've taken away getting a set of budgies. <laughs> um, and I learned from Jack's podcast in particular that actually there was a lot more to my story um, and I was I related a lot to his podcast around. I think a lot of people have I think it was a great podcast Jack's I think yeah I, I've said to him myself that I wasn't I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hands up when, when people say oh I have I've had a poor relationship with food I just didn't get it like I ate food because I liked food mm-hmm. it wasn't because I was feeling emotionally 
sad or in a particular way. Like I ate food. I mean, I ate a lot of food just because I liked eating it. It wasn't a case when there was no, there was, I, I just didn't grasp the, when people said, oh, I had a poor relationship with food. And when I listened to Jack's podcast, it, I kind of got it. So I, I didn't realize I had a poor relationship with food because I thought like you, till I listened to Jack's and I thought, no, you had a poor relationship with food yeah. and a poor relationship with all the other stuff I've spoken about. Um, you know, I need to, I remember my dad saying to me, like we would go for a burger and I'd be like, every time I'd be like, double up please. Yeah. And my dad was like, every time, why do you need to double up? And I don't, now I would say that I don't think about doing that. Um, but I would just do it out of habit. Not out of habit, out of greed, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was greedy. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So, yeah, I think, yeah, but I related a lot to that and it helped me probably be able to bring this story to life, my own story. That's good. Good that you've been able to take snippets from from your guests um from i can't remember who this was from so i do apologize but what's been your biggest challenge to date fitness or non-fitness dealing with deja vu dealing with the deja vu yeah and the one thing that you have learned that stands out as the thing that has surprised you the most. Sorry, can you say that again? The one thing that you've learned that stands out as the thing that has surprised you the most. So one thing I've learned from the podcast. From anything. Be it your fitness journey, be it you, you thought, wow, that was a bit of a light bulb moment kind of for you. Um, recently, I'd say recently, maybe in the last six months, since I've lost my weight, I, and, and to all my friends, my, they call me big man they think they're funny fuckers because my surname's man yeah um and I, I think i'll always have that title that's who i am but the main greeting i would have from people clients at work colleagues when i first meet people the, there was the reaction of god you're a big guy and that changed i've not actually heard that that said that way is i'm now here you're tall and I was like hang on a second that was I never thought of it whenever I'd hear big before I'd always think tall yeah actually that's not what people were saying to me they were talking about my stature and my size whereas now because when people say you're tall it's that's what they're noticing they're not noticing my size right um, so yeah having had that tagline for many years it's now it was interesting to and i don't know how i noticed it 
I think maybe I just noticed one person say it and then I picked up that actually everybody was saying it. So yeah, that was a surprise and, and a realization that I'd done you know, the right things. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, and biggest learning has probably been that I don't need to show off. I don't need to be, I remember, so recently there was a guy that I, one of the people that works in a gym as a football coach, um, he lost a friend who I met once, a week later, I met him at the, at the boxing and he was the big bubbly comedy guy of their group. Yeah. And a week later, he topped himself. Oh. And that was the only time I met him. And I felt that. I was like, fucking hell. Like, I only met him a week ago. And I could see that his friend and everyone was destroyed. But I've hid behind that need to be humorous, likable, all of that, all of my life, because I'm not confident in who I am. Just, just be you. Yeah, just, just you know, you don't need to. No, I have a sarcastic comedy, quite you know, type nature. It's you know, my my grandfather was the same, but I've hid behind that, and I learned that from thinking about that person. That yeah, actually, he was deep and unhappy inside, um, and maybe if you know those people, just consider why they're acting like that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So. Even though I'm pretty sure people who are listening know, for those who are relatively new, where can people find you after listening to this? Um, so are you, I would probably have usually answered that with um, at the bar. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I've made a decision. I'm going to try and hold back on the booze. So, um, no, I, you can find me at a man underscore does weight loss underscore JSA. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Alistair Mann. So my first name is spelled A-L-I-S-D-A-I-R. And I get terribly upset when people don't, don't spell it that way. Um, um, despite the fact that Billy Connolly does a joke about the spelling of my name um, and posh people that go to St. Andrews. Right. People, people with a name like Farquhar. Farquhar. And Alistair, spelt with a D A I R. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can uh, maybe remember it from that. Excellent. So, I just want to finish on again by just saying thank you. Um, I think it's it's been an eye-opening story, and I think. Um, I think when your dad does listen to you, I think he'll be proud of you telling your story. Um, and I think a lot of people will find it very interesting in the journey that you've been on. I certainly have, and especially when we had the, the conversation yesterday about the pre, uh, you know, the pre-podcast chat, um, it was extremely interesting. So 
uh, on that note, I think what we'll do is say thanks for everyone for listening. Um, as Alistair said in the podcast earlier, uh, he's now doing a weekly podcast in addition to these guest podcasts, which will um, they will cover a selection of people who are currently doing the new J, S and A challenge for the next 12 weeks. So keep an eye out for those new podcasts. Uh, so yeah, so Alistair, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no, thank you. And um, I really appreciate you, your hosting. Um, you know, maybe there'll be a reason for you to come back a third time. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we never know. There's something that we might have discussed. Um, never. never say never. Never say never. But um, yeah, and um, you know, as I said before, if anybody's found any of these topics um, resonating or you want to talk about anything like that, my you know door is always open, and um, I'll quite happily listen to you and um, you know, keep your story between you and I. Um, and yeah, just thank you for everybody who supported the podcast because um, I'm truly overwhelmed by you know some of the, the stories I get, some of the messages that I get, um, and I still can't actually believe that people are listening. So um, yeah, I appreciate it, and I appreciate all your support. So and uh, yeah, thanks, Pav. Excellent. All right. Cheers. Now. Good night. Cheers. Good night. So, I've got some quick fire questions, about oh, half a dozen. So let's go. First one men's lycra shorts, yes or no? Uh, yes, as a, as a like cycling short, um, absolutely. Stops the chafing. There you go, Mark. That was from Mark. Go to your go to drink in the pub. Um, a pint. Um, pint of lager of some sort, Peroni, um, just a good strong lager. Strong pre-strength lager, none of this Carlin piss or all that. Oh no, that, and do you know what, if anybody who drinks Foster or Carlin, you know, there's <laughs> something wrong with you. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. Yes, team pineapple, get in. <laughs> <laughs> what is your ideal weekend? Um, depends. Uh, still like a normal weekend. Ideal weekend. What is it? Oh, it depends. Um, time away, seeing family. Depends if it's a normal weekend or not. I'm just, um, because I've never, that never happens often. You what? Sorry. In Villa win? That never happens. Oh, often. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> win. yeah just spending time with other people I, the worst weekends is when i feel like i'm spending time by myself um so yeah socializing in some way whether it's friends family um you know maybe a few beers watching the football um and maybe doing and doing some sort of sport myself how many tequilas before seven is too many seven this this has come from uh, the um, this is the book signing the, yeah from the book signing and um, I think I instigated it well I think someone person mentioned it and I went for it yeah 
uh, I can't remember how many was drunk, but there was there was too many for somebody. I know that much. So uh, it depends who that question was from. Um, but yeah, too many. <laughs> tw tw probably ten. Ten. Oh, my God. <laughs> and is there anyone who inspires you in any aspect of your life? Um, loads, loads of people inspire me. Um, my best friend, my dad, um, yeah, I like, it's a certain person that, that, that inspires me, um, people that call me out of my own bullshit, and the whole of the JSA community inspires me. But anybody who's willing to put in the fucking hard work, you know, and it's, um, I think as Denzel Washington says in, in his one of his university leaving speech, don't just do it because it's easy, but do it because it's hard. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you.